Welcome back to the Vell News Podcast. Fred Dreyer here coming to you the day before the day before the Christmas holiday. It's a Monday in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, this is my uh, last podcast of the calendar year 2019. Um, I will not be here next week. I had originally hoped to have a great conversation with Andrew Hood for today's podcast because Andrew was on his way back from his vacation on the beach, and I figured he'd be nice and rested and just welling up with cycling takes. But unfortunately, our good friends in the transportation industry thwarted our plans, and I think Andrew is still on a train or a plane. He's in transit somewhere. He didn't get home in time. So instead, I have a great uh, interview that I did a few days ago, two weeks ago, uh, with EF Education First. Alex has fan favorite. Alex House lives right here outside of Boulder, Colorado. But of course, I had to go all the way to California to interview him because that's the way it works sometimes. I went to EF's uh, media camp, talked with a bunch of riders. And uh, Alex and I talked about the alternative racing calendar, what it meant to be a national champion, and some other fun topics. So I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Alex. Um, I hope all of you have a great holiday. I hope you have a safe and wonderful 2020. We have lots of fun projects coming in 2020. We have new people joining the Vela News staff. We have new races that we're going to be attending. We have some of the same races and content that you have come to expect here in Vela News, but um, we're trying a lot of new things out this coming year. That's all I can tell you at this point, but I appreciate each and every one of you going to the website, reading the magazine, listening to the podcast, and, you know, using Velo News as a, as a way to indulge in your cycling passion and fandom. And I look forward to helping you all, all realize your cycling passion and fandom in 2020. So that's it for me. Enjoy this chat with Alex Howes, and I will catch up with you uh, next month, next year, next decade. Here's Alex Howes. Uh, my guest on the Bella News podcast for today is a national champion, a gravel racer, an aspiring mountain bike jumper, uh, an Instagram celebrity, and a man who has mounted an axe to his bicycle. It's Alex Howes, your reigning U.S. pro road champion. Alex, set the scene for us. Where are we? What's going on? Uh, we're hanging out in a hotel lobby here in California. Um, we've got the Christmas tree up. We're sitting by the buffet. Dinner is cooking. It's very homey. And this is the media camp for Team EF Education First. Not necessarily hardcore training, but it's like getting fitted for your kits, getting photos taken, meeting with wonderful members of the media like myself. What goes on at a camp like this? I, honestly, this is more of like run Alex through the ringer on the bike and then take him off the bike and see if he can speak intelligently in microphones afterwards. So have you guys been going hard? Well, they've been going pretty easy. I'm pretty out of shape. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, there's like a lot of logistics going on, a lot of pictures going on, a lot of interviews, um, a lot of people shaking hands with people from all over the world, and a couple bike fits, a uh, game of Uno after every, after every dinner. And is this sort of team bonding? You're meeting some of these new guys, Nielsen Paulus, some of the other newbies coming onto the team. 
you know, you've been on this team forever. Do you have like hazing ritual? Are you doing anything to welcome them on the team? Funny you should mention that. We were talking about that today on the ride. Uh, we need one. So can we like put this up for a poll for Bella News? Yeah. Can we, can, can we like get hate? None of us were in a frat. All right. So we don't know what to do here. Honestly, yeah, we have no idea. We don't know how to haze. I was on a college swim team, and our hazing rituals always involved Speedos. So maybe you could improvise something involving Speedos. I don't know if we should do that. I think Nielsen would look too good in a Speedo, honestly. He's pretty shredded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just interviewed him. He is very fit looking. Now, you said you're out of shape. So, I mean, you had a, you had a pretty amazing offseason. You got to celebrate this national championship win. You also got married. That was last year. Wait, that was last year? Yeah, that was a long off season. Oh, oh long off season. <laughs> well, you know, you went on a vacation. You went on your honeymoon. Yeah, that's what we did. We went on the honeymoon this year. And so this was not a training honeymoon. What were you, where, where were you? What did you do? Uh, we went to Costa Rica, and we did basically all the touristy things you could imagine. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't plan anything, which was fun. Uh, but yeah, we, I don't know. Spent a bunch of time surfing, did some snorkeling, ran, cruised around on ATVs, zip lines. Saw a sloth. Didn't oh. ride a bike. Didn't ride a bike. Didn't have a bike. Didn't want to ride a bike. Now, it's something we hear about time and time again from cyclists, which is that the the season is now like a, it's a 12-month season. You're always doing something. You get two weeks off, maybe in sort of October, November, and then it's right back onto the bike with these training camps. Camps like this one, you're meeting new people, getting media. Then it sounds like there's another camp that maybe is a little more strenuous coming up. But... EF Education First added a third camp in this year, and that was the alternative racing slash gravel slash shred camp, uh, which you just got done with. So give us the details. What was going on at shred camp? Uh, I mean, shreds, shred camp's pretty self-explanatory there. Uh, a lot of shredding. We rode all the bikes, cross bikes, um, gravel bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, big travel bikes, and really just tried to have fun down there um there's a ton of trails which just blew my mind uh didn't really see that coming (laughs) uh but a lot of them are kind of expert level uh so we had a cannondale jump crew i don't know if you call them jump crew that's what i was calling them jump crew uh down there trying to teach us how to jump a little bit really just helping bring the vibes i guess you would say i think that's interesting though because you know normally when you think of world tour level road cyclists you're not thinking of big hit mountain bikes and jump crews so how did you adapt to jumping like what were the what was the process and what were the hurdles you had to overcome to learn how to jump a mountain bike well really we didn't jump that much we just watched them for the most part we tried jumping um they gave me some good advice which was lower my saddle yeah and keep my weight back because i kept kept landing on that front wheel pretty hard uh unadvised but uh you know we had a ton of fun um we got a lot got tj a lot better at going downhill on a mountain bike yeah i think i saw an instagram video too of him like doing some cyclocross <laughs> hops yeah that was kind of funny popped out we saw some signs for a cyclocross race it turned out it was arkansas state cyclocross race and they let us hop in kind of enough with the caveat that we would only do one lap and we wouldn't get in anybody's way which we tried not to uh, but i did manage to get a video of tj going over the barriers He's still got some pretty good form, especially for having a fender on the back of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it doesn't seem like that long ago. I remember when you and TJ would be racing in some of these junior cyclocross races. In fact, I saw an old News race report from like some USGP, and I think you had won the junior or second place in the junior used, cyclocross. Used to have it, man. Used to could. 
<laughs> now, Alex, a year ago, this whole idea around the alternative, the alternative racing calendar was just kind of coming together, and the team was deciding whether or not to go to these gravel races, mountain bike races, mass participant American events that lots of people like to do. Um, you ended up being one of the first guys to do this. You raised your hand. You volunteered. Why did you want to sign up for this alternative racing calendar? Uh, honestly, they're just races I've always wanted to do. They're races I want to do. Um, I don't necessarily want that to be my full-time gig, but um, like, if I had to retire tomorrow for whatever reason, I mean, I'd probably be paying, trying to get in the lottery on Kanza, you know, <laughs> like paying the entry fee myself. Like, I just... I just like a challenge and tr like doing stuff that's different. Um, and so to have the opportunity to where the team's like, hey, we want you to do this. And I'm like, well, you know, twist my arm. So I was pretty happy it worked out. Was there any worry, though, about performance loss or impact to your European racing ambitions or goals that you wanted in uh, road bike racing? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Like, we knew it was the, the only real challenge there is, like, adapting to the feel of the peloton um i mean you're riding a different bike and the position is a little different but for the most part the only thing is like you know when you're racing something like kanza you're not you're not really smacking bars with anybody uh you never go on 70k an hour into a corner with three guys you know sandwiching you there it's like that's different uh that that takes a little time to get used to uh even when you've been doing it for a long time so but as far as like performance necessarily, not no. I mean, it's your feet go around in circles. So, still though, I think like a two hundred mile gravel race, plopping that down right at the beginning of June. You know, you have Dauphiné coming up. You have Tour Selection. You know, there's some of these traditional goals that guys in World Tour road bike racing have. And I don't know. I was wondering if the fatigue of a race like that or prep for a race like that might throw off an international schedule. Yeah, well, it, it did throw off my international schedule. I got pretty sick after Kansas, uh, so I wasn't able to race Swiss. But at the same time, um, I think it. I I do think doing a ten hour ride, which is probably the longest ride I've done, um, that that definitely laid a pretty good foundation for for nationals. And yeah, nationals. We had the story on the site. I mean, you won. You won in thrilling fashion, coming from behind in the last few meters. Uh, with Nielsen over there, who's sitting a couple seats away, uh, Stephen Bassett, and you pulled it out. Um, what's the what's the memory of that race that still stands out? What's still vivid to you about uh, that race? Uh, I mean, really, the like probably 250 meters ago, like when I knew that Bassett was cooked. Like I was just like, man, I can't believe this is gonna work out. Like there's there's just a moment in my head where I was like that that's not supposed to happen. Here I go. <laughs> well, especially because I mean the context here is like this has been the great white whale for you, right? I mean you have been podium, top ten, a guy with the skills to do well at this race for years and years and years. In fact, this has been the like nationals road race has been the race that has eluded your team for for decades. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then to have it come together, it's definitely pretty surreal. Um, yeah, I don't. I think I think JV was pretty pumped, <laughs> and that's how you got your five million dollar a year contract. Yeah, I, don't, I never have house. to race again for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did get a new contract, which is nice, but uh, no, it's definitely not for five million bucks. 
Um, were you skeptic- skeptical at all about the alternative racing calendar and the goals that this team had of, you know, hey, make YouTube videos, social media, engage with people, meet cyclists where they are? Um, I, you know, in, in talking about your guys' alternative racing calendar with some other road cyclists out there, I'm not going to lie. I definitely, I didn't hear snickering, but I heard some like, well, you know, that's not Paris-Roubaix. That's not, you know, the same as X, Y, and Z. I'm curious if you had any thoughts like that. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. There's there's definitely a, a traditional European block over there that that looks at this, looks at what we're doing, and they just shake their heads. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I mean, that, that, that group has always looked at this team and like, you know, we're running around in Argyle socks and stuff. And they're like, what the heck are those guys doing? Like, what a bunch of clowns. Uh, and that's fine. You know, I don't care. But, uh, I, I do think we've, we've achieved, well, achieving, um, a number of goals. I, I didn't, I didn't really see how it was going to work out at the beginning. You know, I was like, well, you're going to let me do Kansas and Leadville. That's sounds fun to me, but you know, I don't know if that's necessarily going to get people's ears to perk up, but, uh, the film crew at Rafa have done an incredible job of like making even a schmuck like me look halfway decent and then putting the story behind it. Um, and people who seem to be following and I love that. So what does your alternative schedule look like in 2020? Uh, similar to this year, uh, I think we're going to be doing a good bit of the same, uh, with, some a uh, couple cool things one really cool thing thrown in there that oh, i can't talk about you're being very coy <laughs> very cool uh, thing yeah i can't I, I can't say but i can say that uh it's gonna be a huge challenge and i don't know how that's gonna work out <laughs> is it six, it should, six it, person ram it should be pretty cool though so we'll see we'll see is it an enduro world series uh big hit bike You'll know when you see it, Fred. You'll oh see it and you go, you go like, oh, right, poor Alex House. Come on, Alex. The <laughs> listeners here are just on the, on the edge of their seats. Uh, no, I can't. I can't. All right, all right. Well, I wish I could. I wish be, I could. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it just for you. I would say it for them, but I can't. We'll be know. waiting with bated breath for the announcement of ES. Yeah, no. Super cool event you're going to be doing this it's year. Coming along. Uh, what advice have you, have you given then the gravel and mountain bike newbies on this team? You know, the... Logan Owens and the other guys that are wanting to do the alternative racing schedule, like what sage advice are you passing down to them after your one year of experience? Uh, I mean, really, it kind of goes back to that, you know, old school way of thinking. It's like, you just got to get out of that and just, just remember that your feet are going around in circles and it's like, well, first of all, don't crash, but (laughs) as long as you don't crash, like you'll be fine. So it'll work out great. What about the effort for Dirty Kanza? What kind of advice are you giving him on that uh i don't i don't know who's racing dirty kansas i haven't given anybody advice yet but um it, it, it's it's a hard thing to really conceptualize kansas because you just i mean we raced like the first five hours and then i started cramping and then like you just have five hours to go and it's a weird thing when your races are only five hours um but at the same time the sun was up the whole time so it didn't really feel that long you know so famously, mile 100, you guys are riding through Little Egypt. It's this group of 10 or so, and that's when Colin Strickland decides to go and break away. Colin ends up holding on for the win, but what do you remember about that moment in the race and what you thought when this guy who's like this gravel fixed gear guy goes on the attack? Uh, I mean, I don't... 
I don't want to sound like a jerk, right? but I I didn't know who he was. I really didn't. Um, I didn't really do any research on the race or the who's there. It's also hard to research like 2,000 people, you know. Uh, so he went, and when he went, it was tough for sure. And I was like, man, he's, that guy's pretty good, whoever he is. And I was like, oh, man, he's got a Red Bull helmet, so he can't be too much of a joke. Uh, and then like probably four minutes later, he was just gone. And I said, well... We might have done something here. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, yeah, never saw him again. So it was, a, it was a hell of a ride, really. Was there any thought, though, like, what is this guy doing? There's still 100 miles to go. Like, a, a group of however many we have here will obviously have an advantage over one person out there in the sun and the wind uh, for that long. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking on one hand. But at the same time, we really had no idea what we were in for for the whole thing. Like, we had no idea. Uh, and we were, I mean... We were all talking about it beforehand. We were like, look, we got to just, like, we, we can't think we know what we're doing because <laughs> we don't. <laughs> and so when he went, I was like, well, that that looks like a bad idea, but it could be a good idea. And I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm, it's not, you know, there's no Peloton here to roll them back, you know. I, we're the Peloton. And there's four of us. Other than the action of the race... And the moments from that, uh, you know, that effort, what will you remember about that event in general? Um, mixing with the people, being out there in Emporia, what are the scenes and memories from Dirty Kansas that stick out to you? Uh, I mean, I was, I was blown away at how, I don't, I don't want to say this without with sounding like a jerk, but like how average people are when they like show up to these things and they get through a 200 mile ride. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm a professional cyclist. This is my job. Like, this is what I do. Like I got flown out to two different training camps here in the last week. Like I'm, I'm training hard. Um, and I, I when I went to that event, I was like, this is going to be insane. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Like I'm going to have to eat like probably 900 Snickers just to survive. Um, and then you have someone that's like, yeah, man, I work, probably 84 hours a week you know and i get out for a ride on the weekends and you know one time i rode four and a half hours i'm gonna take a crack at that 200 or it's like what the heck are you thinking you know and then here they are like rolling in they probably got like saddle sores on top of saddle sores and their blisters on blisters on their feet and you know they forgot to put sunscreen on in the morning and their wife didn't make it to the second aid station so the only water they had was something they bummed off a buddy out there or drank out of a lake and then they're rolling in it's like these people are insane like this is awesome <laughs> you know it's like I mean, it's it was it was so cool so cool i mean like it's amazing what people can do when they want to do something i mean the, the the determination and just i don't know i was blown away what impact on your own I wouldn't say career, but your own perspective around cycling, your role in this ecosystem as a pro, et cetera, et cetera, did that experience have? Did that change your perspective at all about the place within cycling that you occupy? Uh, I mean, I mean, really more than anything, it made me fall in love with the bike again. I mean, just seeing people like, I mean, I've always loved riding my bike just to ride, but seeing people that legitimately like the bike is that's their home you know like that's where they want to be more than anywhere like they're they're dipping out from their you know 80 hour work week just to just to ride the stupid race <laughs> like, like it's unbelievable and just to to see that um 
and then take that home and be like, all right, it's it's not all about racing. It's it's more about just getting out, you know, and like feeling the sunshine on your neck and wind in your hair and just just go somewhere for no reason. It's great. I love it. I love it. Well, you have any questions for me? I mean, this is a mutual thing. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I want to know why you look so fresh and you got that little kid at home. How do you do it? What's uh, your skincare routine? It's called having a wonderful wife who's very patient. <laughs> That's good. You're a lucky man. I'm a lucky man. Uh, I highly, I highly endorse having a child. Just to put that little, that little bug in your ear. All right, I'll keep that in mind. Well, Alex, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and perspective and memories and all that jazz here from EF Education Camp. We're going to cheer for you throughout the season, and we're going to see you at some of these non-traditional races and traditional races. I'll be all over the place, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I, I think it's safe to say you're one of the most versatile pro cyclists ever now. Uh, I don't know about ever. I think Sean Kelly was pretty versatile. He could do anything. Yeah, Brian Lopes, too. Yeah, Brian Lopes, yeah. Um, there's definitely guys more versatile, but thank you. <laughs>